Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Spencer Tuma, Director of National Legislative Programs. It's been a busy week at the Missouri State Fair, and we're excited to bring you a special edition of this week's podcast. Every year on Legislative Day, we host a press conference with members of our state and federal elected delegations. This year, we were excited to host Governor Mike Parson, Senator Roy Blunt, Congressman Jason Smith, and Congressman Billy Long. We've recorded that audio for you here today, so take a listen. Thank you all. Thank you all for being here. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day to be at the fair. My uh, wife, Julie's father, always used to say if the weather was always this nice, none of us could afford to live here. And I think that's true. So it's a great day to celebrate agriculture at the fair. And uh, we look forward to this at Farm Bureau this day, all day, all year long. Uh, It's a great time to uh, meet and greet our elected officials and visit with them about the issues that are important to us and our members. And we thank all of you that have come to Sedalia today uh, to, to be here on this day and help celebrate agriculture. We thank you very much. We're, we're pleased today to have Governor Mike Parsons, Senator Roy Blunt, Congressman Billy Long, and Congressman Jason Smith uh, in our press conference. But there are lots of other people here uh, that we would like to recognize. And if I miss you, I'm very, very sorry uh, we've, we've overlooked you, and I'm sorry about that. Or it could be that we're, we're mad at you, but I don't think that. All right. Lieutenant Governor Mike Kehoe, Chris Chen. If you just wave, yep, there you are. Good to see you. Chris Chen, Director of Agriculture. Scott Fitzpatrick, Treasurer of the State of Missouri. Thank you for being here. Uh, we've got a good group of congressional staffers. If you're on a congressman's staff or a senatorial staff, governor's staff, wave your hand. We're glad that you're here. Got a tremendous group of state legislators and senators. Uh, we're glad that they're here. Glad that they took time to be with us today. Uh, we're going to talk about today in the press conference. We're going to be talking about flooding. And so we have uh, Dan Engman with the uh, Coalition to Protect the Missouri River, uh, Tom Waters, chairman of the Missouri Levy and District Association. Uh, we've got uh, from the University of Missouri, we've got Chris Daubert, dean of Ag School. We've got Chancellor Alex Cartwright. We thank the chancellor for being here. Uh, you'll see the uh, shirts all around the room. We've got the ALOC crafts with us today. Uh, the future leaders, already leaders, even more uh, bright things in their future. We're glad here to, that they're here today. Uh, we're joined by former Congressman uh, Kenny Holtzoff, and uh, we th- thank him for being here today. We're going to talk about flooding, and of course now, uh, hopefully recovery. And so we have several officials from the USDA Uh, that will be involved in in working with farmers as we make this recovery from this terrible event that we had this spring. If you need assistance from them, they're here. I'm going to ask them to kind of hold their hand up and and, uh, let you see them. Uh, They're the people that have uh, the knowledge about the programs uh, that are available to farmers as we recover from this event. Uh, We have Richard Fordyce, U.S. Director, National Director of the FSA, uh, FSA Administrator, and Richard also, I am sure, I'd uh, love to talk to you about this week's crop report. <laughs> or maybe not. Just talk to him. Yeah, yeah. Or, or maybe not. Just talk to him about flooding. We have Brent Happy, State FSA Director. Brent, thank you for being here. We have J.R. Flores with the NRCS, State Conservationist. Again, we appreciate him being here. And Jeff Case, uh, State Director of Rural Development. So we're glad that they're all that uh, all of them have been here. As you uh, are well aware, and some of you painfully aware, this past spring and early summer, our state suffered events, uh, which left our farmers and ranchers at tremendous loss. 1.4 million acres, by the way, 
uh, in unplanted, preventive plantings in the state of Missouri. Uh, just almost unimaginable portion of our state is underwater or has been underwater. Hundreds of thousands of acres were lost due to flooding. A hundred levees were breached. I'm hearing well over a billion dollars uh, to, to, to repair the damage that happened this spring. And we appreciate the partnership with our federal, state, and local officials coming together to serve Missourians in this time of recovery. We've worked hard to fight the floods, and uh, we will work hard to make sure that we recover from the floods. Longer term, we have an opportunity to examine management changes that would mitigate the extent of damage from future floods. There's no uh, easy answer to these problems. But if all we do, as important as it is, if all we do is get back to where we were this spring at the end of this recovery period, we will have failed. If we don't make improvements in the way we manage the river to protect our citizens, protect our farmers, protect our small towns, railroads, interstate highways, water supply, that all depend on flood protection. If we don't make improvements, we will have failed. Mm. And of course, we are concerned about farmers as well. We have low prices, we've got the flooding going on, uh, trade difficulties, as you know, and then even this week, a, a fire at a meat processing plant in Kansas, which has been uh, devastating to the cattle markets and the people raising cattle. Uh, just a, just a, just a one thing after another. Uh, so we, so we, we worry about mental stress. We worry about uh, the financial stress farmers are undergoing. Uh, so we're keeping in their in our minds, and everybody up here, everybody I introduced, uh, is spending every waking moment trying to figure out a way to make it better. And uh, we. We will look forward to hearing from you uh, in ways that we can do that, but please know that we are doing our very best to help recover from this situation. Without further delay, I'd like to turn it over to Governor Parson, and we'll just go down the line and at least allow each of them to make whatever statement they would like to make, and then we'll open up for questions. So, Governor Parson. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Blake. Thank you, and thanks everyone for being here today. What, what a crowd when you stand up here and look at this building, how crowded it is. Uh, me and Blake was talking about, he says, I may be a little worried about the fire marshals, about how many people can get in here. I said, I've never been able to pull any strings yet, but I might be able to pull that one off. Uh, so they'll leave us here till we finish today. Uh, let, me, let me share a couple of things. I know we're here to talk about flooding, but, but a couple of positive things I want to talk about that uh, why Missouri is moving forward in this state. A couple of things in my congressional, the federal congressional districts here today. And most of the things I'm going to be talking about right now, they had a huge impact in it. And one, let me start off with the USDA, the good news about the USDA. A lot of people was interested in that. And, and how important this is for Missouri. But this is the first time in our nation's history where you're actually taking a division from the USDA out of Washington, D.C., taking it out of Washington, D.C., and bringing it to the Kansas City area. And... That is one of the probably the biggest moments in agriculture that we've probably had in a long time. And I just thank the federal delegation for what all they did with that for that. <laughs> and needless to say, the first year of governor, it's, it's been a tough time. It's been a tough time. Matter of fact, 30 days after I take, had taken office, uh, we were in the middle of a drought believe it or not. I know we're going to get to a flood, but we were in the middle of a drought uh, trying to get through that. During that time, uh, with everything else going on in the state, different times, I had to pick three statewide candidates 
to, to go to different offices, which had never been done in the state of Missouri before. Uh, they're here today. I know, I don't know about the Attorney General, whether he's here or not, but I'm telling you, these guys have been supportive of this administration, but more importantly, they've been supportive of agriculture, and they've been good leaders, and they come from that background. And I thank you statewide for helping me that are here today. Mike, you. And the other thing I for sure want to mention, the legislators are here, the House and the Senate, on both sides of the aisle. We were fortunate enough, smart enough, used a little common sense to put money in the budget this year because we've seen the devastation that was coming from these floods, which means roads, which means lands, which means the repairs were going to be huge. And we needed to prepare on the state side to have some funding in there to help us get through those tough times. So this is the first time in over a decade that the legislators put together with the governor's office put together and put money on the bottom line to save money in the state. Over $100 million we left on the bottom line, just like we got to do our checkbooks at home where you got to be able to save a little bit for a bad day. And unfortunately, we had a bad day with the floods in this state. Let me share with you what on this flooding situation. You got to keep in mind that this flooding started on March the 11th and continued on into July. I don't know that that's ever happened in our state. That length of devastation, that much devastation. And needless to say, whether it was Missouri, whether it was Iowa, whether it was Nebraska, whether it was Kansas, we were all extremely frustrated because of what happened to us on this river. But the truth of it is that's not the first time that happened. It happened back in the 90s, it's happened in the 2000s, and it happened this time. If we do nothing, we're going to be standing right here in front of you five years from now when we have another flood and nothing's going to change. We cannot afford to do nothing in this state. We have got to find a way. We have got to find a way to work with our federal delegation and to be able to work with my fellow state governors, Democrat and Republican, and trying to figure out we should have a seat at the table on the management of the Missouri and the Mississippi River. One entity should not have total control over that, and we need to make changes in that policy for the future of Missouri and our farmers. And I think the thing that I learn every day, especially up in the northwest portion of the state, is I went out to these farmlands, I went to these communities, and realize the impact of long-term floods, uh, what happens to people up there, and how do you build back after that. It's one thing to go the flood, and we've been talking about that, and yes, the waters are still going down, but the recovery of that is still months away. We're a long way from getting these farms put back together across our state and being productive farms to where they were and what that means to our state. And when you look at the levy districts, whether it's the federal, the states, or, or the federal districts, people... These, a lot of these levies, these private levies that are out there, are run by families. That's all there is. That's all the resources they got. And thank goodness those families are out there working their tail ends off for us every day trying to do their part. But in the big picture, it shouldn't be their responsibility alone. We've got to figure out a solution on the management of that river where we take a different priority. And the one thing I can tell you, the two priorities I would have of the Missouri River and what I'm going to push for every day is the safety of Missourians and the property of our farmers and people that are out there that's devastated by that in those cities. That's what we ought to focus on. Nothing else other than those two should be priorities, period. And we'll let the rest of it happen for there.
just a few weeks ago, I signed an executive order putting a commission together to put it together to be a voice for us in Missouri to try to figure out what are the things we can do better. How do we manage to recover from all of this? And not only that, we've did that same thing with Kansas, Nebraska, and Iowa. And to get those governors together and realize as a voice of many governors, instead of one of us just trying to fight our way through the D.C., if we all stick together, our congressmen and senators stick together, I truly believe we can change the management of this river and have a voice in it. But that is going to be our main focus to do. We're here in the state to try to do everything we can to provide the services we need for anybody that's involved with these floods. There's a lot of agencies out there trying to do that. As Blake went through that while ago, a lot of them are here today. But you all have a voice to say amongst your friends, amongst your neighbors, like we always do in Missouri, trying to help one another out. If there's ever time to try to help each other out, it's now's the time. Now's the time to be doing that and see how we move forward on that. So with that, uh, I know you got some other speakers up here. Blake, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for what you do here at the Farm Bureau, putting this event on, sharing it with the public, what we're doing. And, and again, I want to thank all of you that are members of Farm Bureau. But more importantly, I want to thank you for being Missourians and you're concerned about your neighbors and our friends. And it is an honor and privilege to be your 57th governor of the state of Missouri. Thank you very much for having me here this morning. Thank you. Well, thank you, Governor, and thanks uh, for the great job you're doing. You know, I don't know that any other governor was ever notified they were governor while they were baling hay before. <laughs> so that's a pretty good sign right there. That way you know you're off to the right start. And then as the governor mentioned, he's uniquely had an opportunity to put a team of state officials together that no other governor had. Just the circumstances we were in uh, means that this is a team that was knit together by a real leader, and I think they're going to lead uh, in that way. Uh, SEMA, State Emergency Management Authority, done a great job, I think, through the spring. None of us are ever as happy with that as we would like to be, but when you step back and look at the challenge, particularly of uh, figuring out in a flood what the actual loss is, it takes a while to figure out what the loss is and what, what you can qualify for. I, I believe that uh, the state did this as quickly as they could, and of course your congressional delegation stepped up the minute that application was made and encouraged it to be uh, quickly handled by the uh, uh, by the uh, the administration. I will say also, let's everybody from USDA, let's raise our hands one more time. Richard had the not the <laughs> slowly, slowly. Okay, you just if if you have questions, my, my staff is here. Jason's staff is here, uh, uh, Billy's staff is here. We want to help with this, but if you have questions, we have had some questions because of the uniqueness of this situation where you have one flood that, uh, that uh, qualifies and another flood that doesn't, then you have a second flood that uh, hits part of the county and it's very complicated. Senator Hawley and I have both written the administration in a joint letter and say, get this straightened out. Uh, we need to figure out how when you have these multiple events somehow you can calculate them together in a way that makes sense to the people that we work for. I do think on the Missouri River there is a real opportunity to do something about the 2004 River Management Plan. Uh, in 13 of the 15 years since that plan went into effect, we've had either moderate or severe flooding in years that had about the same amount of rainfall we had in prior years that didn't result in moderate or severe flooding. And I think the reason for that is 
that the, that the plan is way too focused on wildlife issues without respecting the needs of people and property. On the Mississippi, there's still significant wildlife issues that are important that are paid attention to, but they're always weighed in the calculation of what impact does this have on people and property. That has not been the case on the part of the Missouri. I've talked to the Secretary of Interior about this. I think they're in the process of coming up with a new rule for the Missouri uh, that would have a people and property calculation that'll have real impact. Also on the Missouri, we've done too many things uh, that we didn't know what the result would be as it related to wildlife, but it certainly made river management much more difficult. If you look at a uh, over um, aerial map, for instance, of uh, aerial photograph of the Ohio River, it runs on pretty solid, straight banks of water and carries lots of traffic. If you look at the Missouri River a few years ago, it looked a lot more like that than it does now. Uh, and just restoring the priority of the river of flood control first and navigation second has lots of impact. First of all, navigation second, a nine or 10 foot channel carries a whole lot more water, no matter what the water moment is, than a six or seven foot channel does. So first of all, you prepare the river to carry more water. And secondly, you take economic advantage of the river as a tool of commerce. Uh, the Missouri legislature, in ways that they previously have not done in the last three or four sessions, have paid attention to inland ports. Inland ports are going to be very important in the ag world we're approaching with all this change, dramatic change for world food demand, world food need. We're well positioned to do something about that. But, uh, you know, the international price of grain is the international price of grain, less what it costs you to get it there. So if you can get a quality product there cheaper than anybody else does, one, you're more competitive, two, you make more profit because you've got it there in a more effective way. And looking at the Missouri as a, a source of navigation, critically important as we try to figure out how to control flooding in the Missouri in a better way. The, the rivets, the dikes, the things that came out that were there in the late 70s and aren't there now made a big difference in how that river is managed. So we've got not only a willing partner, I believe, at the Department of Interior, maybe for the first time, but certainly that person there now. We also got a Missouri and R.D. James, the civilian uh, representative of the Secretary of Defense, uh, in, in the head of the, of the court. Uh, and having those two things happen, we are never going to have a better circumstance to try to solve this problem as it relates to Missouri. We may talk about this more later today at another meeting. Uh, but my sense is we need to really be focused on the southern basin. We don't need to get overly focused on problems that relate to the northern part of the river. Uh, let's not debate things we're not going to win. Let's figure out how to debate things we are going to win uh, and make a difference as we do that. So we're working hard to see that not only are the flood problems that individuals uh, faced solved in least assisted in the best way possible by the federal government, but one, we're going to see what we learned from some of these problems and things that didn't make sense this year. Hopefully we'll have a uh, FEMA that has the ability to look at these issues differently next time we have this same problem, uh, and then look at how we manage the Missouri. There's no question 
the Mississippi River is going to be more important than it's been in 100 years and already is developing that sense of it as this great avenue of commerce. The big question is, does the Missouri become part of that? One of the great advantages we have where we live is, the, is, is where we live. It's the ability to move products in ways that are effective. It's that, that commercial crossroads of the, of the nation. And if we calculate the river as part of that, the river is going to be much better managed. And if we decide, no, we'll just let the river do whatever the river wants to do. Uh, other places use their rivers effectively, like we use the Mississippi more effectively than Missouri, have decided that's not the answer. We've got a great resource in the Farm Bureau. We've got a great resource in our friends in Jefferson City. The governor has put the other governors together. And you notice the governors he mentioned were the Southern Basin governors to try to solve this problem. We do have and should have a say in this because we certainly have the biggest stake in this. And we're going to work hard to see if we can't make a difference, get a new management plan, use the river more effectively, still have the great resource for tourism and wildlife the river can be, but also let the river be the other things the river can be. It will be part of meeting that top priority of flood control. Uh, Jason and Billy. Thank you. I want to thank the Farm Bureau for having us. Uh, you know, I was just standing here thinking, yeah, a young man from Dent County, uh, to be able to serve with these three fine gentlemen, it's a, it's a good honor because we all represent the same people, and that's the good people of Missouri. And, and having Governor, Governor Parson, who what I would best define as the son of Missouri, I mean, he's the heart of, of our constituents, and he serves every day with that heart. Um, served with him in the state house, and he was a senator, and he's doing an incredible job as our governor. And, and Senator Blunt, he is probably the most skilled legislator that I've ever served with at any capacity, whether it's the state or the federal level. And um, Missouri is better because you're in Washington serving with us. And Billy Long, I mean, if you're having a bad day, talk to Billy Long, and he will make you have a very, very good day. But we serve with some really good good folks. Um, Missouri delegation is, is tremendous, but when you talk about flooding, our congressional district really was a source of a lot of problems. We, we have over 200 miles of the Mississippi. Um, the Mississippi is a little bit different than the Missouri. Um, just give you some facts. This recent flood that we had, the Mississippi at Cape all the way down to Cairo, was at flood stage for the longest ever in the history of our country. Consecutive days at flood stage. Think about that. Almost 100, over 150 days in some areas. But you look at the effects of the flooding that we had south of Cape Girardeau, it could have been so much worse than what it was, but it was because of the infrastructure that was brought forward through the MRT project, the Mississippi Rivers and Tributaries project. And you know, I'm reminded of a former congressman from our state that is well known of a quote that said, where I come from, we grow corn and cotton, cockaburs and Democrats. We don't have that many Democrats anymore, thank goodness, from my perspective. But 
You gotta, it, it, your frothy eloquence neither convinces nor, nor satisfied me. I'm from the show me state. You have to show me. And that was a former congressman in the early 1900s. Well, down in the boot hill of Missouri, we showed the country how you manage your rivers. And in fact, we drained our swamps. And those seven boot hill counties after we drained them now produce more than a third of all the ag commodities for this entire state some of the richest soil. But it was because we drained those swamps. You know, we got a guy in the White House who wants to drain people in Washington, D.C., and maybe that's why we brought the USDA back to Missouri, is by getting some people out of there, um, which is a good step in the right direction. But the infrastructure and the processes that we have with the MRT, we need that on the Missouri River. If we have that on the Missouri River, you can see a phenomenal step in our navigation and getting our richest commodities from Missouri to feed the world and to help our farmers, help our commodity prices. And that is a great path. And with Artie James, who is from the Boot Hill of Missouri, he's a great person to help navigate that ship. And so I look forward to continuing to, of course, to work with, with this delegation and trying to help address the flooding. But let me tell you about how important the infrastructure on the MRT was. In early March, think about this, in the first week in March at Cairo, where the Ohio River and the Mississippi converges, right there in our congressional district, we hit the highest flood stage there at Birds Point Levee at Cairo ever in the history of this country without activation of the levees. That's because of the infrastructure that we have there. It's great we have it in the Boot Hill, but we need to have it the rest across this state, and the Missouri River needs to have the same thing. It needs to be about flood control, not about environmentalism. Thank you all very much. Thanks for that warm introduction, Jason. I was talking to Jeannie Riddle out here a minute ago, Senator Riddle, and uh, we do a sporting trap skeet shoot every year against the Democrats, and they give you these hearing devices, and mine didn't work, so I blew out my left eardrum, so I was leaning down my right ear, and she said, you need to get some hearing aids like I have. I said, I have hearing aids, and she said, you do? Where are they? And so I turned around so she could see them, and I said, in fact, these are brand new hearing aids. Just got them a couple of weeks ago. $7,500, state-of-the-art. She said, goodness gracious, what kind are they? He said, oh, that's about a quarter after 11. <laughs> if you haven't Googled it, I've had two questions here today. Every time, everywhere I'm going around the fair, USMCA, when are you going to get that done? And we loved you when you auctioned off the cell phone. So... If you haven't seen me auction the protester cell phone off, Google Billy Long auctions protester, and you will, you will die laughing. USMCA, I said that's a $64,000 question. Jason, you're not old enough to know what the $64,000 question game show was, but it's, uh, I'd like to say that there's movement, but right now in Washington, D.C., unfortunately, we can't vote for the sun to come up in the east tomorrow. I mean, anything that they think will help the president, they're a ginner. They're against it. So, uh, but I do really think there is some movement. These other guys might have opinions on that also, but I do think there's some good movement on USMCA that we can finally 
get that over the finish line because at some point they have to admit it's good for their constituents, just like it's good for our constituents. So we are working for that. I just got back from Brazil a couple of, I don't know, six, eight weeks ago, something like that, with Colin Peterson. Colin Peterson is the chairman of the Agriculture Committee. He is a Democrat from Minnesota. Colin, even though I'm not on the Ag Committee, he knows I have a lot of Ag in my area, he wanted me to go with him. So we go down there. He said, I want to show you and we want to look in a million acre soybean and cotton farm. A million acres. And he said, I want to get down there and look at it so we can come back and tell Trump to get this trade deal done so it doesn't go to three million acres. Because that's exactly what Brazil's doing. They're figuring out how to get their bean. We looked at their bean storage area, cave, whatever you call it, pretty much empty. Because they're shipping out everything to China that they can grow down in Brazil. And so while I was on this trip with Colin, I said, hey, Colin, even though he's a Democrat, we're good friends. And a lot of you that in dairy and such have met with Colin a lot of times up in Washington, D.C., probably. And I said, you know, we've got our ag tour coming up. We do an annual ag tour. Roy Blunt did the tour for 14 years that he was in Congress. I haven't missed a beat. We do an ag tour every year. And uh, we have it. Is it next week, Bob? The voice you hear in the back is Bob Comer. He's my ag guy. But uh, uh, we uh, do it for next Friday, he said. So anyway, we have our ag tour. Colin Peterson, chairman of the Agriculture Committee, is going to be on the bus with it. He's going to be going on our ag tour. Because anytime we can do something in a bipartisan fashion in Washington, we need to do it. Democrat, Republican, whatever. I mean, we need to get together and do what's right for this country. So people saw that I was bringing, you bring a Democrat in? You know, and I'm like, get over it. Come on, you know. It's, uh, he votes a lot like a Republican, if you've ever noticed. But uh, Colin's coming in for that. So we're really excited to have him and the chairman of the Agriculture Committee to be on our 7th District Ag Tour. So I think that's a kind of a cool deal. So, uh, and uh, it seemed like there was one other thing that I was going to say, but it seemed, you know, you probably, I'm the cleanup hitter here. I'm the last guy. So probably the quicker I wrap up, the more votes I will get. So... <laughs> Anyway, uh, I think that's it. So anyway, God bless you. Thank you all. And uh, thanks for coming up to the fair. What a great, great state fair. What great representatives we have here. And we, we do things, our congressional delegation, including Lacey Clay in St. Louis, including Emanuel Cleaver, the two Democrats, they were, we have luncheons once a month. We work together. We really do cohese as a congressional delegation. Roy and Josh Hawley in the Senate, uh, now that uh, Josh is in the Senate, it's you know, we really work hard together, and, and one of the things we do in a bipartisan fashion D.C. is work for agriculture. So God bless you. Thank you. Thank you all very much. I think Secretary of State Ashcroft has joined us, so we're glad to have him here. Thank you very much. All right, I think everybody has a time for a question or two, so are there any questions from the audience? Or from the press in the front row here. Yes. Well, let me, let me just take them in the order. I, I think that um, the administration does not believe that 
there's an OIG problem and they're moving forward with this. I think they're right. There's not an OIG problem and they will do this. They know that this needs to be done quickly if it's going to be done. You know, government doesn't benefit by letting things drag out because people find lots of reasons not to do what should be done. This actually is something that should be done. Uh, they just moved another agency from Interior to Denver, uh, and, and I think they're on the right track, moving these agencies out closer to where they're going to see who they're really working with and, and who their partners can be. Uh, the best land grants, I think, in, in the country, of course, the best two land grants are in Missouri, but the best land grants in the country are within a three-hour drive of Kansas City, eight of them. Um, the uh, more plant scientists in St. Louis, Missouri, than anywhere else in the world. The Animal Health Corridor from University of Missouri to University of Kansas with that important detour up to uh, St. Joe. There are plenty of resources here. A lot of people will move. I think more people will move than thought they would move. They're creating a little incentive now for people to move. But whether people move or not, we're in such a new area, a new era of research uh, that frankly a lot of new blood in that research entity is going to be a good thing. Uh, and uh, recruiting from land-grant schools, recruiting from the other colleges and universities that have solid ag and research programs, I think would be a good thing. Um, people are going to really benefit from the ability to raise their families in the Kansas City, Missouri area on a federal government salary and in the Washington, D.C. area. I think not only you recruit significant people, but you'll be able to retain them better uh, at the new location than we were ever able to retain at the current location. It's just hard to live in Washington, D.C. Uh, and raise a family on a government salary. I think they're going to find Can the Kansas City area a much better place uh, to live and work. And uh, I'm not at all concerned uh, that, that recruiting new people into this new era of research is a troublesome thing. I think actually it's a positive thing if that's what does develop. A number of people are going to move. We welcome them into our state, our area, our region. Uh, and uh, if they all want to move, that's great. But if they, the, the gaps that are left are going to be easily filled by people who have a new view of what needs to happen in research today. Precision, agriculture, raising more on the same amount of land with fewer inputs. We're in a very different moment. We're about to enter a very different moment in agriculture than we've been in in the last couple of decades. So some, some forced transition wouldn't be a bad thing. Certainly welcome with open arms anybody who wants to make that move and come to our state. Some people, frankly, will make that move for a couple of years and commute back and forth because that's all they have left to meet some retirement. And that's okay, too. Uh, that'll create the bridge that we may need to have that kind of... Uh, expertise join uh, the new recruits that are going to be uh, happy to be in Kansas City, Missouri. I never understood the assumption that, but I've changed my mind, the assumption that all wisdom is in Washington, D.C. And then I got to thinking about it, and it clearly must be, because none of it ever gets out. Next question. Yeah, Lynn?
Any other questions or comments about, uh, we had really some great remarks about the flooding and, and we appreciate you very much. Yes. You know, what our farmers want is to be able to sell their goods. And they're wanting um, good commodity prices, and they want free trade. What our farmers and Missourians don't want is for the Chinese to continue to give it to us. And that's clearly what has happened for so long. Um, we don't need to be held hijacked by any government. We are the number one country in the world. We are the best farmers. We produce the best commodities. We just want to be able to sell them. And the problem is we've seen so many countries subsidize and illegally dump their products that has affected our farmers, whether they're rice farmers, that has been affected by the country of India, or whether it's the Chinese in multiple capacities on how they've been affecting. Um, we all, I'm a rancher. I have beef cattle. When the beef prices dropped, plummeted on Monday, it hurt. I understand what, what the commodity prices are with corn, soybeans, you go through, through the beef. We need the trade agreements, but we need to look more than just Japan, I mean just the China. Japan is a good ally, a country that we can work with that this administration is working to get a trade agreement on. Hopefully we'll get to a trade agree agreement soon. When you look at the five largest trade allies, the large, large five largest trade allies, Canada and Mexico. That's why USMCA is the most important. Nancy Pelosi allows us to have a vote because we have the votes. Right now, the only reason why USMCA is not being passed is because Nancy Pelosi won't allow us to have a vote because she's afraid Donald Trump might have a victory. Write that because that is the truth. Let us have it. If you want to take care of farmers, take care of commodity prices, allow us to pass USMCA. If you don't allow us to pass UMCA, then that means you support NAFTA. And most of her party voted against NAFTA. And USMCA is better than NAFTA. Number two, of uh, number three trade partner, of course, is, is China. We're working on that situation. Hopefully it's gonna get better. But Japan is in the top five. We need a free trade agreement with Japan. Whether it's corn, soybeans, pork, or beef, Japan is a great ally. We're working on trade agreements right now with the United Kingdom, with Great Britain, as soon as they get out of the Brexit situation. And then there's other countries that we can look at. Look at Indonesia, look at Vietnam. We don't need to be reliant on just one called China. We need to spread our resources. Just like any business, you don't put all of your eggs in one basket. And that's what we need to do. Think about the oil crisis. I give this example. Whenever uh, the Iranians would, would uh, would come in and take hostage an oil tanker in the, in, in, in the seas, the oil prices used to, 20 years ago, just jump up across the roof. What happened when the Iranians hijacked an oil vessel just in the last two weeks? 
didn't affect the oil prices. You know what? Because we utilized our oil. North Dakota alone brings in more oil than the whole country of Iran. Let's utilize our resources, make sure we sell to the right people, and our farmers are going to have better prices. And that's what our president's working towards. All right, I know that some of them will be able to stay uh, for a few moments. If you have other questions, we thank all of you for being here, for spending your time talking about agriculture. We thank our congressional delegation and Governor Parson for the great job they're doing for all of you. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for joining us. Tune in next week as we'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming.